Welcome in on a Monday, rainy Monday here in Norman. We've got Brent Venables meeting the media ahead of the Sooners' first spring uh, practice tomorrow here in Norman. We'll have some audio coming up a little bit later on right here on The Ref. Hope everybody's weekend was good, and welcome into Monday. Busy weekend, Parker. Man, there was a ton of stuff going on, right? There was. Most of it having to do with the NCAA tournament and or the NIT, if that's your cup of tea, which... Uh, the Sooners ended up getting bounced in the second round by St. Bonaventure of all programs. And, uh, you know, St. Bonaventure looked pretty good to me. They were ranked in the top 25 at one point during the season. That's an older team. The Sooners, you know, kind of the same old story at the end game. Turning the ball over, didn't make the plays. And uh, St. Bonnie did. That Jaron Holmes was amazing. St. Bonaventure shot 51% from the floor, 53% from three. So the Sooners in their season 19 and 16. You know, it, it would have been just one more win if they had won last night. They would be playing Virginia for the right to go to Madison Square Garden and go to the NIT semifinals, but the season ends last night for Oklahoma. We will hear from Porter Moser here in just a bit. Meanwhile, the OU women in a 4-5 matchup today, 5 o'clock, unusual start time. but that's, Interesting. Yeah, that's the time today. ESPN 2, Notre Dame and Oklahoma. Jenny Baranchek and company won a late game Saturday night, 78-72. The crowd I thought was pretty good. Taylor Robertson, 22. Maddie Williams, 21. Skylar Van was able to log about 20 minutes uh, had the knee issue but it looked like she was able to contribute some you had the uh, Orlando Magic beat the Thunder 90 to 85 last night uh, tonight the Boston Celtics in town to take on Oklahoma City the OU women's softball team we've been talking about there they are like Godzilla and the rest of women's softball is like Tokyo they're just trampling everybody you know what they outscored the opposition by this weekend I know the final score of one game was 20-0. to zero. That was the Iowa game yesterday. They beat Sam Houston Friday 10-1 run rule. Beat Indiana 15-1 run rule Friday. Saturday, they beat Trainery 11-0 run rule. Saturday, they beat Houston 8-0 run rule. They outscored the opposition 64-2 over the weekend. That'll do. Jocelyn Allo now with the... Uh, 100 career home runs. She went crazy over the weekend. I love the Wilt Chamberlain-esque photo she took with the uh, the sign that had 100 on it. The OU women will play a big game at Kentucky coming up tomorrow, 6 o'clock. And uh, I think that's on the SEC Network tomorrow. Uh, how bad, bad did TCU get screwed in the Arizona game last night? Yes, I mean, come they, on. Did, they did get screwed. And, and I, I, I feel very bad. Champion, by the I way. feel very bad for Jamie Dixon in that program because TCU is historically – one of the worst basketball institutions in the Power Five, even across the entirety of college basketball. And so for him to have taken them to such heights and then watch it end the way that it did, that is heartbreaking. However, that said, we are all peacocks at this point in time. St. Peter's moving on. The 15 seed will play Purdue coming up in uh, Philadelphia in the East Regional. Uh, UCLA and North Carolina and the other one, those are Friday-Sunday matchups. Thursday-Saturday matchups in the West in San Francisco, Gonzaga, and Arkansas, the early game on CBS. Duke and Tech will play the late game. Duke got a scare from Michigan State but made a lot of plays down the stretch to eliminate the Spartans and Tom Izzo. Yesterday in the South, Thursday-Saturday games, Arizona and Houston will be the late game. Kelvin Sampson and company getting it done over the weekend. Nice job taking out Illinois, the early game. In San Antonio in the south draw is Villanova and Michigan. In the Midwest Friday-Sunday matchups, Kansas and Providence. And uh, 
Miami and Iowa State in a 10-11 matchup. Who figured we were going to get a matchup between the Hurricanes and the Cyclones for a trip to the Elite Eight? By the way, St. Peter's is the toast of the tournament thus far, and deservedly so, but Iowa State has as many wins in this year's tournament as they had wins all of last season. That's crazy, yeah. Unbelievable, and they got it done against Wisconsin. And uh, the Big Ten got a bunch of teams in. You still have, what, three... Tech, Kansas, and Iowa State left for the Big 12. So uh, let's talk about the Sooners, though, last night. They lose 70-68 to St. Bonaventure at the Lloyd Noble Center. I thought, you know, the crowd wasn't tremendous, but I thought the crowd that was there was very into the game, sounded good on TV. It was, uh, it was a pretty exciting matchup. St. Bonaventure, again, pretty good squad out of New York. And uh, they beat the Sooners 70-68, so Oklahoma, again, Wraps up Porter Moser's first season, 19-16 and 16 on the year. Let's hear from the Sooner head coach evaluating his first season in Norman. It's hard to have a coaching change. Um, and I, I just appreciate him and the other guys, the, you know, Jalen, EJ, um, you know, and Rick, those guys that were here, um, to just they, – they love Oklahoma. They put everything into it. Um, you appreciate that so much. A lot of guys left. A lot of guys left. These guys stayed. Um, and uh, and I thought, you know, just watching us improve, um, get better. Um, we got a lot. We got a lot of a lot of the things that we're you know to get better at in the program. Um, you know, obviously that the, there's you know guys transferring. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, you know, those are questions for another day. Um, but. Um, you appreciate so much how much he, a, young, a young man has to go to go through on a coaching change. Okay, so how do we label Porter Moser's first year at Oklahoma? I was thinking disappointing, but I, I decided to go with frustrating more than anything else. That's and, a very good label. And, and I like, you know, Porter Moser a lot. I think he's going to do a really good job at Oklahoma. They've got to get better players in, not to, you know, say that the guys that they have just can't play, but they need uh, some better talents. And uh, I like, you know, stressing defense. I, I just like everything about Porter Moser. But you can't say with an Oklahoma basketball program that when you get to the NIT and you lose in the second round, everything's great. But it's his first year, and I think frustrating – was the way I ended up. I ended up going with that word more than anything else. But also encouraging, I think, towards the end of the year when their backs were against the wall, they came back. They very easily could have been in the NCAA tournament. They didn't get the nod. But I'm going to go with frustrating. What do you think? I The word I would probably use is mystifying because this was a team that at their best could hang with Baylor and Kansas. And this was a team that at their worst – got swept by TCU, which TCU is not a bad basketball team, right? But still, they got swept by TCU. They lost to Utah State. They lost to Butler. Those two losses ended up hurting a lot in the end. And then they get bounced from the NIT, like I said at the top of the show, by St. Bonaventure. And so it wasn't for lack of talent or lack of ability to play as a unit that this team floundered. It was just inconsistency. All across the board. They were plagued by turnovers. There were nights where Mo Gibson popped off for 30 points, and there were nights where he couldn't find the bottom of the net. To me, 
that's the word I would use is mystifying because you just you just never really knew which Oklahoma team you were going to get on any given night. You could get the team that showed up inspired to play clean basketball, light it up from beyond the arc, and play with anybody in the country. Or you could get the Oklahoma basketball team that came out lackadaisical, turned the ball over, made some mistakes in the paint, struggled to defend, and that ended up making games that really shouldn't have been games into closely contested wins or losses. Yeah, I think there was a lot uh, to like about the way Porter Moser goes about his business. I I think, again, he was an excellent hire for Oklahoma. I still believe that. I just think they played in the toughest conference in the country. That is, uh, I I think we've seen that in this NCAA tournament. TCU very easily could have been there beating a top seed. You know, last night, if they get a call, maybe they're there. Should have gotten that call. But uh, for the Sooners, I would have loved to have seen them get a chance to go to Madison Square Garden. That would have been nice. Now you look at next year, and the big question is, will Mo Gibson be back? How much can you get from the three incoming freshmen? What are you going to get out of the transfer portal? But the biggest question right now is, what's going to happen with Mo Gibson? What's your feeling? My, My feeling, and I said it at the time when he went through senior days, that he leaves. And I don't know why he would leave. I guess if you want to go play overseas or you want to take a crack at working your way onto an NBA roster like Austin Reeves did, then by all means, go ahead, shoot your shot in that sense. But I can't see a circumstance in which Emoja Gibson ends up an NBA draft pick. If he wants to play pro ball and not have to go overseas, he's going to have to earn it the hard way. And you heard Porter Moser just glowing last night about, his work about ethic, how yeah. hard Mo Gibson works. And to me, you come back for one more year at Oklahoma, you put that work ethic to the test, you spend those hours in the gym continuing to improve your game off the dribble, continuing to refine the consistency of your shot. To me, Mo Gibson has the opportunity to be one of the best players in the Big 12 next year if he wants to. I think that is that is a guy that can benefit so much more from an additional year of college than he could jump into the NBA. It is the same conversation we were having very briefly with Davion Harmon last year when he declared for the NBA draft and everybody's like, "What? Say what like what 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 are you doing?" And then of course, he ended up coming back, hitting the transfer portal, ending up at Oregon, but there was a moment in time at which we all thought Davion Harmon was actually going to make the jump, and nobody could figure out why. Now, I understand why Mo Gibson would want to make the jump, because he's one of the purest shooters in the game, and he's made significant strides in his ability to create his own shot. But he's not there yet. He's not there yet. And would you rather spend another year at the University of Oklahoma in Porter Moser's system, getting yourself better, and helping this team achieve what they were so close to achieving this past season, which was an NCAA tournament berth. And from what we've seen in the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament, who knows how far this team could have gone in March had they made the big dance. Would you rather spend another year getting yourself better at the University of Oklahoma, or would you rather spend it in the G League or somewhere overseas? 
Yeah, and a lot of that depends on the one thing we don't know, the uh, the family situation, the monetary situation, and I never blame a kid if he wants to go play in Europe, you know, and they need that money. I get that. But I would love to see Mo Gibson come back. They need to get a big man in the portal. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, they also, you know, point guard Jordan Goldwire not coming back. Bijan Cortez looked good at times, but he also had some turnover issues. I like what C.J. Nolan brings as well. You're clearly you're going to miss uh, Goldwire, Shagwa, and Marvin Johnson, who was a factor down the stretch. Had a good look last night, just couldn't make it, uh, couldn't make the shot. But uh, the Sooners see their season come to an end, seventy to sixty-eight last night at the LNC, and this afternoon at the Lloyd Noble Arena, it'll be Oklahoma and Notre Dame, five o'clock on ESPN two. Jenny Baranchek and the uh, Sooner women taking on the Fighting Irish. All right, we've got so much to talk about. Thank you, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems for bringing us hour number one here on Steelman and Thune on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Monday is going well. Give Tim Lasher and his great company a call. Any heat and air needs you have, 405-579-3113. When I left here Friday, Deshaun Watson was nowhere near Cleveland, and then he signed with, well, he's signing with the Browns for big money and big humiliation for the Cleveland franchise. Where is Baker headed? And we'll hear from Brent Venables when we get back. I can tell you that's not my theme. It's not? Body by Hostess right here. Is that a song? Should be. That can be on your uh, your debut album. That can be the title track. What was the one uh, back in the 70s, if you're as old as me, you would remember uh, Junk Food Junkie? That was a song, like a one-hit wonder song. Really? Yeah. <laughs> never heard of it. Oh, you missed but out. But then again, you, you bring up a lot of things on this show that <laughs> yeah, I've never heard well, of because right. your, your brain is an endless fountain of information. Yeah, it's usually useless information, but it's full of something, I can tell you that. All right, welcome in on a Monday. Thank you guys for being here, 405-651-3439. You want to hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We always look forward to those, 405-651-3439. All right, you ready for spring football tomorrow? Brent Venables oh, meeting I. the media tomorrow or today at 1 o'clock and uh, getting his team on the field tomorrow, but meeting the media at 1 o'clock. So I'm sure if we don't have any audio uh, before we get out of here, I know that you and uh, Tyler will uh, on Locked In here in a little bit. Brent was over on a podcast uh, recently, a Clemson uh, pro- podcast. Oh, interesting. Darian uh, Rencher who is a running back at Clemson, and uh, he hosts the Players Club podcast. And uh, on that podcast, I tell you what, Brent, still sounds like he's very pumped up to be the Sooners head coach. You know, I'll be the first to tell you, man, I, you know, I was not looking to leave Clemson at all. Uh, You know, I had no intention whatsoever. Had to be the absolute right one at the right time with the right people, with the right alignment. Uh, and this was, it certainly came out of, out of nowhere, out of left field, uh, to say the least, because of um, right. the timing of the departure of uh, Lincoln Riley. And, you know, they won 78 games the last seven years. So, he, I don't know if you're taking over Ferrari, but, uh, you know, taking over a program like like Oklahoma with all those things that I just said uh, was just – it was just too uh, too too easy, uh, I should say. I had a, a right. great deal of peace about it. Uh, sad as I was for you know to leave an amazing place like Clemson and uh, just the the comfort, the support, uh, the relationships, um, the love for the players, the opportunity to win at the highest level. 
So, Brent, what he did uh, was become the most sought-after defensive coordinator in college football and uh, just one of the top coordinators in college football, period. And we all wondered, man, what's going on with Brent? Does he want to be a coordinator? Uh, he's got a great gig. You know, he's making over $2 million a year coordinating that Clemson defense. Had a lot of success. Like I said, they completely rebuilt Clemson's reputation from Clemsoning to national championshiping, Right. Uh, he and Dabo and that staff, and you get some guys, you know, that were there with Dabo, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, uh, Thad Turnipseed, guys like that, that I think will be, uh, you know, great for the Oklahoma football program. And, look, the Sooners have that championship DNA, yes, but it hasn't been around for a while in terms of winning the national championship. Conference championships, yes, but they want to win a national championship. All right, so John Williams messaged me the uh, last night. And uh, wanted to know, he was kind of going around and talking to media members, who is one player you're most interested in seeing how they do during the spring and how they affect Oklahoma next season. And I went with Jeffrey Johnson on the defensive line. Okay. The kid from Tulane who made a bunch of plays against Oklahoma last year. I think, you know, they've got a lot lot of guys to replace there. Uh, You know, Jalen Redmond certainly can be a force. We've seen when he's healthy on the defensive line. But I think Johnson is the guy I'm looking at. If you had to pick one, who would it be? Well, I got the same message from John. And? And it didn't take me long to answer. Javante Barnes. Okay. Ryan, that is my you're, a big, you're a big Javante Barnes because let, guy. Let me tell you, Mike, I've been on the Javante Barnes bandwagon a long, long time, long before I ever knew he was coming to the University of Oklahoma. And let me just say this. If everything that I have heard and continue to hear about the type of ball player Javante Barnes is going to be at Oklahoma from people close to that program, that's a dude that's going to see the field a lot and have a huge impact for this team in the fall of 2022. Now, obviously... They haven't even started spring practice yet. We're still 24 hours away from that. So a lot can change and a lot will change between winter workouts and spring practice. And you look ahead, a lot is going to change from spring practice to fall camp. But Javante Barnes is a guy that's absolutely trending in the right direction right now in terms of his ability to make an immediate impact for this football team. You look at what they have coming back with Eric Gray and Marcus Major, and they're good backs. They're not great backs, but uh, they're, they're solid backs, right? Here's one of the advantages, too, because if you're a good, solid player as a freshman, you've got a really good chance to play. It's not like it used to be where you red shirt. Some of those kids will, but the ones who really have it are going to be on the field. And not only this situation, uh, you know, uh, just coming into Oklahoma, you would be – you know, if it's still Muleshoe here, you'd have to be, uh, you know, uh, Eric Gray and Marcus Major would have a big advantage. But they're learning the new offense just like Javante Barnes, right? So you have a, a chance, I think, if you're really special, and a lot of people think this kid is really special, maybe, you know, by the middle of the season to become the primary back. Or maybe earlier than that. What do you think? I... I don't know if I would go so far as to project he's going to become the primary back. Is it certainly within the realm of possibility? Yes. Yes, 1,000%. But I also think that you might, just because of the experience that Eric Gray and Marcus Major have, not necessarily in this offensive system, but just at the collegiate level, you may see more of a committee approach this year in Jeff Levy's offense. And that's not to say that's going to become the norm in Norman, Oklahoma. But... Even before Muleshoe got to town and was running the offense, 
Oklahoma thrived on having a backfield committee, right? So that, that may not be something that goes away. And so I'm not going to sit here and say Javante Barnes, you know, by the end of the season is going to be getting 80, 85% of the carries any given game. Maybe I should say starting back rather than primary back. You know, that's Adrian Peterson, right? That's, uh, unless you are a superstar bell cow kind of guy, you know, whether it's the NFL or college, there is a lot of running back by committee these days. And there will continue to be. And I, I, I'd be comfortable with that. I think there is a chance Javante Barnes could be starting by midseason. Who is a guy maybe that's been overlooked a little bit? I'm not saying that hasn't done anything yet in his career, but even a guy who's been on the roster that might be getting a little bit overlooked. People are going to hate me when I say this. Justin Broyles. Okay. Justin Broyles, man. That guy, that guy will see snaps and see plenty of them this fall, I would tend to believe. Because what, what you will never hear anyone diss Justin Broyles for is his work ethic and his approach to the game. Because he is one of the most devoted students of the game in that entire locker room. And he, from what I have been told, he has accepted the challenge of – learning under a new coaching staff and accumulate or accommodating to a new defensive system head on. And so is Justin Broyles the most physically gifted player on that Oklahoma defense or even in that Oklahoma defensive backfield? No, but especially as a sixth year senior, as somebody who's going to have a little extra fire under his belly, given that this is his last go round, Justin Broyles is a player I can see doing a lot of good things for the university of Oklahoma this fall. And I don't know where exactly he fits. Maybe it's safety. Maybe it's nickel. There's a lot that's going to be decided over the course of spring practice uh, with regard to positional designations. But one way or another, I do think Justin Rolls is a guy that's going to have a lot more of an impact on this team this fall than, all, than most people may be projecting at this time. I'm going to go with Theo Weiss. Uh, the last of the three amigos, you know, with uh, Jaden Hazelwood going to Arkansas. We know what happened with Trey John Bridges, and Theo Weiss is still around. He's had some injury issues. He's had moments where he's looked really good. And who's going to be like the number two receiver? After Marvin Mims, could it be Jalil Farouk? Could it be Theo Weiss? We know what Drake Stoops can do. Great possession receiver, tough kid. Uh, made a lot of plays for Oklahoma, but I'm going to be looking at Theo Weiss uh, having a pretty productive year next year for Oklahoma. Nobody's talking about Brian Darby either. I think that's a guy that could make himself a little bit of a niche in this OU offense. And There's going to be no shortage of snaps available for wide receivers when you look at the way Jeff Lebby runs his offense. I think if Brian Darby has a strong spring season and continues that momentum into fall camp, that's a guy that could make a low-key push for a starting role. And right now, everybody wants to focus on Mims, Weiss, Farouk, Drake Stoops, deservedly so. Don't forget about Brian Darby. And don't forget about Cody Jackson either. Those are two guys that have everything you want physically in a wide receiver at the P5 level and at a place like the University of Oklahoma. All right, spring practice getting underway tomorrow. Brent meeting with the media here in about half an hour. We'll have a lot of audio for you uh, later right here on The Ref. Spring practice again, though, officially begins tomorrow 
here in Norman. Let's break right here. Thank you to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They're family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. Call them up at 405-579-3113 for all your heat and air needs. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon. Let's come back. Let's get to the text line, the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. And we'll also talk about Baker Mayfield. Where's he going to be playing next year? We'll get into that when we get back. All right, my wife said uh, she was going to burn Oliver Brown's uh, hoodies that she bought. And uh, my, my wife is not prone, the lovely Shay, to doing something that drastic, but she was very upset about this. What in, the, what in the wide, wide world of sports happened when we were on the air, you know, Starting out on a Friday, you know, everything was still Deshaun Watson nah, turning down Cleveland. And later in the afternoon, Deshaun Watson, deal announced with the Cleveland Browns. And not only that, they're bringing in a Jacoby Brissett as a backup. But this deal, all this money guaranteed, $1 million, uh, for and next year. And that's why it happened, Mike. That is you unbelievable. $230 guaranteed dollars at anybody, they'll do just about anything. This guy's a creep. I don't care what uh, the grand jury didn't indict him, all right? Guess what? That doesn't mean you're not guilty. They didn't feel like there was enough evidence to take it to trial. Take it to trial. It's a he said, she said deal. But when you have uh, 22 people, you know, making these accusations, unless all of them are liars, all of them are looking for a payout, uh, something's happening here, and it's not good. And guess what? He can settle out of court with every one of those accusers for $3 million apiece, and he's still getting more guaranteed money than any other player in NFL history. Which is crazy. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is... uh, I don't know. Is Deshaun Watson an upgrade over Baker? Yes. Do I think he's, you know, just a unbelievably significant upgrade over Baker? Not really. Uh, he's bet. Look, if I'm in Cleveland, they say, hey, you got a choice. You want Deshaun Watson without the uh, accusations, or do you want Baker Mayfield? I said, give me Deshaun Watson in a heartbeat. Yes. But uh, he's not an Aaron Rodgers. He's not a Tom Brady. He's not a Pat Mahomes. Uh, he's a good, solid player we'll see what his skills look like you know and there's the possibility he could be suspended for the whole year next year you might see Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns maybe he'll be suspended half the season I don't know we have to wait and see the question is what is next right now for number six Baker Mayfield this was ESPN's Jeremy Fowler this morning with the latest on Baker and his situation well, I'm hearing that the Colts are his preferred destination, but the Colts are looking at all their options. They're even looking at free agency with Jameis Winston. They're looking at some of the trades we just mentioned, so they have not made a firm decision yet. Talk to some execs around the league who believe maybe a package, including a third-round pick that's conditional, can get you to a second-round pick if he plays the whole season and plays well. But the Browns will have a lot of leverage here because of the acquisition of Deshaun Watson. So they're really giving it up to his agent as well to try to figure out what the best spot is for him. Seattle is a wild card here. I know they've at least explored it internally. Uh, Nothing formal yet, but they're a team that has some mild interest here. There are some connections. Alonzo Highsmith is an executive with the team who helped draft Baker Mayfield number one overall. So he'll want to go to somewhere where a team believes in him. And people I talk to are really torn about this guy. Some people around the league still really like him. Some are sort of concerned by some of the attitude things we've seen recently in the news. 
Indy would be a great spot for Baker, but, um, you know, I just hope it's not Seattle, but maybe it will be Seattle. Here's the deal. Watch what's going to happen today with Matt Ryan because he's got that roster bonus due today. I think it's 4 o'clock Oklahoma time. Right now, it looks for all the world like he's going to the Indianapolis Colts. Yes. Jay uh, Glazer reported 20 minutes ago Atlanta and the Colts have been talking about this trade for Matt Ryan for a few days. Still a couple of hurdles to finalize, but they're hoping it gets done here soon today. And again, uh, that to me, if you're the Colts, and the Colts, again, with the right quarterback in place, and it wasn't Carson Wentz, obviously, who's now in Washington, uh, you can be a competitor. You've got a good offensive line. You got a good defense. You got a really good, great running back. Uh, you, you know, you're good at wide receiver. You're nothing great there, but you're good. And then you add Matt Ryan to the mix. I know he's up in age a little bit, but I still think Matt Ryan is the best option there. So if that happens and all signs are pointing towards that happening, we may know something again later this afternoon. I would expect word on that. Then what is the best spot for Baker? New Orleans would be a good spot. Uh, New Orleans is unquestionably, in my mind, the best spot. Even over, by Seattle. Even over Indy, if Indy was an option? Well, I'm, I'm considering Indy off the table for okay, the time gotcha. being. I am, I'm taking it, and maybe I shouldn't be taking it as a foregone conclusion, seeing as how everything turned on a dime with Deshaun Watson, but I'm taking it as a foregone conclusion that Matt Ryan is going to get traded to Indianapolis. By the way, what is Indianapolis doing over the last few years with their quarterback situation? Because when Andrew Luck retired, it was Jacoby Brissett for a year. Then it was Phillip Rivers for a year. Then it was Carson Wentz for a year. Now it's going to be Matt Ryan for a year. Yeah. At what point do you try? At what point do you at least make an effort to bring in a franchise quarterback? Yeah, they're they're going with the one year rental type situation. They were hoping maybe they would get Carson Wentz when he was an MVP candidate before he got injured in Philadelphia. And apparently, uh, Wentz is also not just very inconsistent, but also not very likable, not much of a leader, not well liked in the locker room. So I don't know. That's a good question. Very good question. Okay, of the remaining, so you would say the the one you would get most excited about would be the Saints. Hundred percent. Which one would not excite you? Well, if Atlanta becomes a destination, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that Atlanta is a train wreck right now. Carolina, that is a long-term rebuild in Atlanta. Carolina, I, I guess I can get down with it. What just about because, Detroit? No, 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 no. Come on, you get Baker on Thanksgiving. Okay, that be okay. Actually, you know what? <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction was no, hell no, on Detroit. But now that I think about it. At least you've got a few weapons there. Amon Ross St. Brown is really, really good. Tyrell Williams is a sizable target outside. You've got – you don't have much, but you've got at least a couple things to be excited about. You don't have anything to be excited about. I mean, Jared Goff's still there, though. Well, exactly, but Jared Goff's not going to hold on to that job forever. They're actively looking to replace him. Baker in Seattle just seems weird to me, It does seem weird, but – you're throwing a DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett that's, if you that's go up there. Pretty good pair right there. Yes. And their running back situation is pretty good, too. Uh, I don't know. It, it just seems weird to think of Baker in a Seahawks uniform. But that may be where he winds up. I mean, to, I, to be straight with you, it was weird for me to consider Baker in a Browns uniform until he put it on for the first time. And I was like, well, okay, this, this fits. This is perfect. I, I think anywhere but Atlanta – and Houston, I I would say anywhere but those two destinations 
would be a viable option for Baker Mayfield yeah. because you're not winning in Houston anytime soon. Houston bores me to tears, and you are too. Put, you are put in a literally a zero win situation in Atlanta. Because that might you have be no one to throw the ball to. Those might be the two most boring organizations in football history: the uh, Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons. The Houston Texans are literally named the Texans, and the Atlanta Falcons are most notable for blowing a twenty-five point lead in the Super Bowl. True that. And the Dirty Bird back in the day when uh, Gary and it was Gary Anderson who missed that field goal. It was right? Gary Anderson. Come on, you've watched How I Met Your Mother uh, a few times. Yes, Gary Anderson. All right, uh, we're going to break right here. We will get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We'll do it in the next segment. We'll get as many in as we can. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Got to tell you about Riverwind Casino. Get out there, play with your wild card. Get some uh, get some points on your wild card. Earn five times the entries for the final. $80,000 courtside cash promotional drawing on Friday. You also have the big drawing Saturday night, the 80K Land into Luxury promotion, where somebody's going to walk away with a brand-new 2022 Cadillac XT5. Get out there. Use your wild card today, tomorrow through midnight for the 80K courtside cash promotion. And on Thursday night, get out there and get 10 times the entries on your wild card for the 80K Land into Luxury promotion. You'd look really good. Yes, I'm talking to you. You'd look really good in that Cadillac XT5 from our friends at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Coming right back. All right, this is pretty much official now. Ian Rappaport also reporting. Adam Schefter also reporting that... uh, Matt Ryan is going to Indy from Ian Rappaport trade. The Falcons are in agreement on a trade of uh, quarterback Matt Ryan to Indianapolis. Atlanta's going to get a, a third rounder back. So uh, you can scratch Indy again. We, was, we were just talking about off the uh, list of possible, possible destinations for Baker Mayfield. And, uh, man. That, that would have been awesome to see him in Indy. But, again, maybe, maybe it would be the Saints. I guess Seattle would be very interesting to see how that would work out. But it will not be the Indianapolis Colts. All right, welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. You want to go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line? Let's go right ahead. By the way, if the Colts only had to send a third-round pick for Baker Mayfield, or excuse me, for Matt Ryan, uh, what what do you think that says about the market for Baker Mayfield? <sighs> You want to you want to hear Not what I much. think? What do you? I think? think it might be higher. You think so? I think I, I I think the market might be better for Baker Mayfield you than think we so? think it is. Because maybe look, maybe look, if they could have gotten Baker Mayfield cheaper than Matt Ryan, don't you think they probably would have done that? They got to pay Baker Mayfield a lot less money. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, Ryan obviously uh, is. More accomplished than Baker. He's a veteran. Maybe they're, you know, they feel like they have a uh, one or two year window. Maybe, I don't know. It seems like that offensive line is still pretty young. But I don't know. I, I still think that Matt Ryan is a better option than Baker if you're looking at one year, two years. I do not. You don't? If you're, well, okay, okay. I'll concede that. If you're looking at one year, Matt Ryan's prop, well, you know what? No, I, I don't know if I would even go that far. I think Baker's a better option than Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is over the hill to me. He's about to enter his 15th season in the league. 
he's only really had the one really good year when he won NFL MVP and took the Falcons to the Super Bowl back in 2016. Other than that, he has been generally mediocre for the entirety of his career. And over the last couple of years, there's been a lot more bad than good. And so, yeah, I'm not saying he's the MVP, Matt Ryan, but I still think uh, if I had again, all right, you got two years to try and get where we want to get. Do you want Matt Ryan or Baker? I would still go Matt Ryan. It wouldn't be, uh, you know, like the easiest choice in the world, but that's that's the direction I would go. You want to get to the uh, text line? Do you think Baker? This comes from a listener in Tulsa. Do you think Baker would consider Seattle with Pete Carroll considering his connection with USC? Totally forgot about that before saying Baker to Seattle. Yes, it's a business, man. He needs a. He wants to be a starting quarterback. I, yeah, I don't. Carroll, I don't think he's yeah. going to be. Yeah, uh, haggling over that whole will, dynamic will not be a factor. Will not be a factor. He's looking to get a gig again to be a starter in the NFL or have a great chance to compete for a starting job. So if Pete Carroll says you're our guy, he'll jump at that. Yes, unless he gets a better deal somewhere else. One listener says, Baker may get one of the loudest standing ovations of all time in our stadium. <laughs> Switzer at the Olympic Festival was the loudest. I remember that, yes. <laughs> at uh, Owen Field back in the day, with, uh, Oklahoma City hosted the U.S. Olympic Festival, and the king walked down the ramp, and he did get quite a loud ovation. And, yeah, it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know, the spring game and then the statue dedication. You know, uh, Baker is an interesting guy, man. He's must-see TV, Sooner fans, despite some of his, you know, off-the-field stuff, the arrest. I mean, he's not perfect. We know that. But uh, he's they just they cling dearly to Baker Mayfield for whatever reason. Well, number one, he was a great player at Oklahoma. And uh, he, uh, he talked the talk and walked the walk most of the time. So... What do you think the fascination is with Baker? I mean, obviously, any Heisman Trophy is going to be beloved at your university, but it's not every day you have a guy who had, you know, the off-field incidents. I mean, if he was a Duke basketball player, he'd be despised. But Sooner fans, he's one of their own, and, uh, man, they're very protective of Baker, whether it's social media or whatever. So... What, I, what 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 is the question? I'm the question here? is for a guy who has had as many you know some off the field issues you know from the crotch grabbing to the running from the Fayetteville police to being a little bit like I said you could say he would be like a Duke basketball player one of those guys that you despise. I realize you're gonna your university when you have a Heisman winner he's always going to be beloved to a certain extent but man they they stand by Baker 100 percent Sooner fans. Well, do. and they they always will. I don't expect that to change. The reality is Baker became the most beloved player. You can make the argument he's the most beloved player in the history of the University of Oklahoma. And I think his antics were part of the reason for that. Not necessarily to say that people loved it when he got decked by Fayetteville police, but that is to say that he had an, he had an edginess to him, and still does, that I think people appreciate. Yeah. Especially the way it manifests, the way it manifests itself in a competitive manner. Whether you like Baker or not, he is who he is, and there's no phony stuff with Baker Mayfield. He's in your face. He's competitive. Uh, all of that stuff. He says what he feels, and again, there's nothing. There are no. Uh, there, there's no phony stuff going on with Baker. That's him, and I think people appreciate that too. Wears it all on his sleeve. And I respect that about him. Yeah, I'm like, with you. 
has has some of the stuff he's he's done over the years understandably rubbed some people the wrong way and maybe not portrayed him in the greatest light? Sure. But the fact that he's always been genuine about who he is, I think is admirable. Yeah. All right, what else do we have? I think planting that flag cemented him in all of our hearts, says yes, one listener. Yes, I, I think that's accurate as well. You think there's any chance, again, the statue is the flag planting? Or do you think that's probably too much? I, I, you know what? You know what occurred to me? That's got that's got to be a really hard thing statue to, to, to sculpt. To sculpt, yes. yeah. Like how? Like weight wise, how do you make sure the the cloth stability of the flag yeah. stays up? Right. Yeah. You know. So like, yeah, I would I would love like in theory I'd love it, mm-hmm. but I don't know how plausible it actually is. Uh, one listener says Baker wasn't just a player; he was an OU fan too. That's the loyalty. Yeah, I can still uh, remember seeing that picture of him as a kid on the sidelines with Mike Jones back in the day. And, yes, grew up a Sooner fan, even though he grew up in Austin. Another listener says, Baker, for me, before he even introduced himself to Sooner Nation, he was stealing signs in street clothes at TCU. (laughs) He had me at at hello. He had me at hello. Oh, man, you're going Renee Zellweger. All right, well, it's it's a good line. It's a good line. All right, good stuff on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep them them rolling in. We're going to get to more next hour. And, man, ESPN was just playing the uh, John Clayton promo. Man, that's a sad deal with John Clayton. But that was the greatest promo, I think, ever. There were some good ones. Wally and David Ortiz, Charlie Steiner, follow me, follow me to freedom. But to me, it's John Clayton in the Slayer T-shirt. That one's pretty legendary. Yeah, good stuff. All right, let's take a break right here. Top of the hour, Brent meets the media coming up at 1 o'clock. More spring football conversation on the way. We'll talk more Sooner basketball. The OU women in action. The Sooner softball team continues to crush the opposition. All of that and more coming up next. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, exit 72, for a great deal on a vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. And don't forget about that great guarantee, oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. That's a heck of a deal. Man, it is, it's raining here in Norman right now. It looks uh, very overcast, very rainy. Be a great time to take a nap, but you can't take a nap when you have to do radio. We could, we could just nap. You want to? I mean, just be snores. Andy Warhol did a six-hour movie on people sleeping, just sleeping. That could be, man, maybe that's the next big, it's like ASMR, right? Nobody knows why people love it, but people love it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that'll be the case for our new napping show. Well, the old man, you know. record the sounds of us napping. I'm approaching 59 years old, so I got to have my energy drink or I'll fall asleep at any moment. I could just nod off just like that. Usually happens on the couch around 9.15. Man, I was tanked for a couple days after the daylight savings time change, and we lost that hour of sleep. Kind of like a jet lag type situation. It, it really was. And normally it doesn't hit me that hard. I don't know why it did this time around. I guess because I was on the road when the time change happened. But, yeah, that was a rough couple of days after we lost that hour of sleep. And you're finally getting over your sunburn. I know, yeah, I... <laughs> Teddy and I were talking about it on Friday, and Teddy said the only thing worse than a sunburned face is a sunburned scalp. Yes, no doubt. 
You know, you can get fooled out there, though, because you think, ah, it's chilly out there, but it doesn't matter. As long as those rays get where they that's, need to be or don't need to be. And in that's case. a mistake I won't make for the rest of the spring, Dude, that's for sure. I, I went can, out again this weekend, and sunscreen was applied. I can remember as kids, way back when, we used to, uh, in, in the summer, basically what we would do was play baseball, either on our respective Little League team or in the streets, and go fishing. And that was pretty much it. That was it. And, you know, play with baseball cards and stuff like that. But we would go out fishing, and I don't know, I was probably 10, 11 years old. We would go, you know, basically what we do is sneak on farm ponds around the area that we lived in because the whole residential area hadn't been developed yet. And we would go fish, and we would take our tackle box and something to eat, a little bit of water. But sunscreen was never applied, ever. And I can remember some of those... You know, Red Lobster days when you wake up the next morning and you're like, I can't move. It's a wonder that I didn't get some cut. And, you know, it just wasn't as big back then. I mean, we would be out there all day, take our shirt off. You'd be in like in some cutoff shorts or whatever and fish all day. And then come home and have the uh, get the lobster treatment, you know, the next day. So anyway. I never wore because we growing were, up because like – and the thing that I've had to learn the hard way is that as you get older, you spend less and less time outside. Mm-hmm. I and know. And so your yeah. skin has less and less tolerance for the sun. And so I, I never had to put sunscreen on when I was growing up. Now I do. Otherwise, I, I burn real quick. Well, you know, I call our place uh, Shea Stadium, right? And uh, that's because my wife's the CEO. She's awesome. Shea. So it's Shea Stadium, but it really should be called the Hermitage, which was that was I believe Andrew Jackson's home, wasn't it? The Hermitage. You are asking the wrong person. I don't like. know. I'd have to go ahead and. I, I, don't, it up. I don't know if anyone can corroborate because that. Because I'm might a hermit. A... I'm a hermit, man. I just want to stay inside. Mike doesn't want to go out anywhere. Well, there are people out there. Not even to golf. No, I do like to go out and golf, but I, I'm I can I can stay home quite a bit. People can be problematic. They talk too much. They, you know, they they just, they're, I, and I know. <laughs> they I'm, talk too much, says the man who spends five hours a day I talking. I know, but I'm talking about once you get out in, amongst people, I don't talk as much because I do it all the time. That's true, yeah. Well, you know what you I'm saying? Me, you have like, you have like a social battery or something? Uh, pretty much. It's like, what isn't Mike talk? Well, he just did six hours of talking earlier, so I don't know. I know, and I realize is, I'm high maintenance. I'm hard to deal with. I wouldn't want to go out and socialize with me. That's why I stay indoors. But other people don't realize that. No, I'm I'm very much with you. This is <laughs> this is a conversation I end up having with my friends all the time. They're always like, "I can't believe you're an introvert." I'm like, "Yeah, I am." They're like, "How on earth do you spend three hours a day doing nothing but talking?" You know what's weird is I consider myself somewhat socially awkward. Really? I don't like large groups. Like if I'm amongst a group of friends, say five or six people, I'm perfect. But you bring in more than like 10 or 15 or 20, I'm, I'm socially awkward. Uh, people say, well, you talk all the time. What do you get nervous about? Yes, it's me and my microphone looking at <laughs> one person or a camera, and that's it. The people can't, you know... They can't, like, talk back to me. Well, I guess they can in terms of, you know, text and everything like that. But that's those are the best friends you can have, the people on the text line, right? 
we should go there right now. Okay, let's Why don't we it. do that? Let's see, what our, we'll let's see what all our friends are saying. One listener says, great job filling in last week, Drake. Hope to hear more of you in the future. That comes from Mark in Newcastle. Yeah, Drake Dykin was doing a little bit of everything last week. Drake is uh, the Drake is a worker, man. We got some workers here. There's nobody lazy walking around here as a prima donna. Nobody. Hard workers. They got me all misty-eyed. One listener says, great job today, Steely. So you're getting some love on the wow. text line, too. Thank you. Thank you very much. That, but he spelled it S-T. E-A-L-Y. That's all right. It's steely, like steel with a Y at the end. It's like one time I was telling uh, somebody last week, uh, we were talking out actually in the lobby, and Teddy was uh, talking about possibly going to do a public speaking deal. And I said, I can remember one time I had to go to speak to some group, the Kiwanis, somebody. I can't even remember who it was. It was so long ago. And the lady introduced me and said, please welcome Mike Teeley. <laughs> How you doing? Good to see you. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm Mike T. Lee. How are you? Oh, man. You know, the, the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me, because, you know, like, my last name is phonetic. It's only difficult to pronounce if you overthink it. Thuny is what they would call you, right? There was a, my sophomore year of high school. I was playing baseball out at out in Plattsmouth, Nebraska. We had a road game in Plattsmouth. And I was the starting pitcher that day. I was hitting like fifth in the lineup. So, you know, by by nature, your name gets said a lot over the loudspeaker. And it was always Parker Tooney. Like, how on earth? How on earth do you look at my name and think Tooney? I don't know. But how do you get... Teeley, Mike Teeley. Well, Mike, Mike Teeley and Parker Tooney. Maybe whoever wrote the script for her just omitted left the, off S? the letter. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's not a terribly. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say it's understandable, but I can see I I can work out in theory how it would have happened. Yeah, I guess you. I By the you. way, on the uh, the subject of the Matt Ryan mm-hmm. to Indianapolis trade, think about this. This comes from Ari Marov on Twitter. The Colts traded Carson Wentz a second-round pick and a seventh-round pick to Washington for a second, third, and another third that could become a second. The Colts then turned around and flipped one of those thirds into Matt Ryan. So essentially, okay. they, just, they just replaced their quarterback, and it only cost them a seventh-round pick. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right, Air Comfort Solution, Solutions text line 405-651-3439. That was weird. I felt like a sneeze almost came out, and there was no sneeze. That was very bizarre. Do you know it's impossible to sneeze with without your eyes closed? I saw that on one of those fact sites. Well, because y- your think, body does it involuntarily. Yes. The uh, the sneeze, man, do you have a loud sneeze or one of those wimpy little sneezes? Well, it kind of depends. I can get as loud with my sneeze as I'm feeling like getting. Really? You've got, like, more than one pitch? You have an arsenal of sneezes? Yeah. Like a I, I got slider a whole... and a curve and a fastball and everything? <laughs> a whole sneeze repertoire. My dad, bless his heart, rest in peace, dad, we used to call his the bucking bronco because oh, he, would get, he would get that wind up of, ah, 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 and then, yeah! <laughs> And it sounded like he was riding a bucking Bronco. <laughs> but uh, it's really weird if you see somebody who's pretty big and they have that little or something like that. Very strange. 
Okay, uh, let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line again uh, next segment. We also are going to talk a little sooner basketball. Brent Venables meeting with the media right now. Yeah, by the way, uh, Brent Venables, uh, this comes via the Twitterverse. He reiterates in his opening statement that the goal is to fill up Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium for the spring game next month. The quote is, we expect to pack the palace out, so buy your tickets now. Yes, do it, because freaking Muleshoe and his evil band of Trojans are going to try and upstage OU. And you know what? They might get half of the Coliseum full. Maybe. You don't want to be outdone by Muleshoe in anything. That guy's a narcissistic, lying sack of feces. Okay? <laughs> wow. So just bring it to the OU spring game, people. Just get out there, all <laughs> you right? Know, you, know, you know what's funny? A, the way you phrase that is funny. But you know what else is funny? The reality that Oklahoma's spring game might draw more of a crowd than any of USC's regular season home games. Yes, I think it would be awesome because, you know, freaking Muleshoe and all his media cohorts out there are thinking, they'll get this game on ESPN, you know. Okay, yes. Great. Let's see the Coliseum with maybe 20,000 people. And then let's see Gaylord Family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, Pat. That would be awesome. Let's do it. All right, we got a break right here. Thank you. Thank you to our friends at Air Comfort Solutions. Uh, and again, that is the uh, text line 405-651-3439. And also, thank you to our second hour sponsor, the one and only Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal there and the great guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel. Let's come back here from Porter Moser on uh, Mo Gibson. And could Mo Gibson be coming back? to Oklahoma. All right, welcome back. Two brothers who get along pretty well right there, right? The Gallagher's. That's right. Maybe. I'd assume so. I mean, they've worked together for enough time. Well, they hated each other forever, but they worked together. But uh, some good music from Oasis, no doubt. Okay, uh, the Sooner basketball team sees its season come to an end last night. We'll hear from Porter Moser and Mo Gibson here in a second. Uh, Oklahoma-Notre Dame tonight. Four-seeded Sooner women taking on the fifth-seeded Fighting Irish. Five o'clock on ESPN2. Jenny Baranchek and the uh, Sooner women beat IUPUI 78-72. Taylor Robertson, 22. Uh, Maddie Williams had 21. They got some uh, pretty good minutes from Skylar Van who's been a little bit banged up, which is good. So uh, Notre Dame and Oklahoma, 5 o'clock. Wow. That's a strange time, but we'll see. I thought the crowd was pretty good for the 9 o'clock game Saturday night. Very energetic, and we'll see what happens today between the Sooners and Notre Dame, 5 o'clock again on ESPN2. Brent Venables meeting uh, with the media now. And uh, we'll have some audio a little bit later. Uh, At the very latest, when – Parker and uh, Tyler McComas are on with uh, locked in at two o'clock. So Brent is still in his monologue. Last I heard, so yes. Uh, most recently, he said everybody is a blank canvas heading into spring ball. There's no depth chart. It's an opportunity for everybody to compete for every spot. There you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, a true meritocracy in Norman, Oklahoma. 
No politics involved. No lying about, well, we've got a quarterback competition going on, you know, which was always, dude, uh, put him on a polygraph, please, because he never tells the truth. Ever. Right? When do you think it started? What do you think... What do you think was the turning point in Muleshoe's career where he transitioned from up-and-coming football coach to pathological liar? When they told him about the uh, the SEC, I think he got Really? Because, I mean, he was trying to sell us on quarterback well, competitions three there, years you know before what? that. That is and maybe an acceptable lie from a coach because you're trying to keep the other guy out of the portal. You're trying to make sure there is – you want him to compete hard and all of that stuff. So I kind of get that. He's not the only guy to do that. But when he became liar, liar was, I think, when he was quaking in his boots when they told him, uh, guess what, you're going to the SEC. And he was thinking, man, I've got this finesse, pillow soft philosophy and a, uh, a guy who teaches uh, P90X, you know, for workouts and we're going to the SEC. Let's get on the phone with the agent. Hey, Trace Armstrong. How we doing? Yes. Is there anything else available? Yeah, let's start working on that. How long until Tony Horton is hired as a special consultant for the strength <laughs> and conditioning program? Oh, man. All right, let's hear from Mo Gibson last night. OU loses in the NIT 70-68. Mo played well, 26 points, 6 of 11 from 3. Uh, the Sooners, of course, are losing jo- Jordan Goldwire, Ethan Shagwa, and Marvin Johnson. They're definitely out. Mo Gibson could return. This is what Mo said last night. Uh, thoughts on his uh, season this year with Porter Moser as the head coach? Coach, uh, since he's still on campus, he challenged us defensively. You know, Coach Crew was kind of offensive mind guy, but uh, Coach Moser, he challenged us defensively, you know, take on the challenge. Uh, day by day, and um, you know, just coming into the season, not knowing what to expect, and you know, he just told us to. Uh, he told me when I got on campus just to take on the challenge, be a pit bull on defense. Um, I tried my best to do that, but um, some takeaways uh, from this season, man. Down the stretch, we got to learn how to, you know, what I'm saying, finish games. Um, you know, like eight of our games this year, it came down to last second shot, and you know. Um, Man, that was just tough L's at the end, man. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get on the other end of the stick in them eight games. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is Mo Gibson talking about last night. The Sooners in the season 19 and 16. They lose to the Bonnies 70 to 68. St. Bonaventure, man, it's a good older team. They were ranked in the tw- uh, top 25 earlier in the season. Didn't quite make, obviously, the NCAA tournament. Let's not sugarcoat this, Mike. They're called the Bonnies. They are called the Bonnies. Not yes. a good loss. You don't see many people with uh, many teams with brown uniforms either. I don't like Wyoming. St. Bonaventure, anybody else with brown uniforms? Wyoming's color scheme doesn't bother me. There's something about the brown and yellow that makes it more tolerable. Yes. St. Bonaventure is just brown and whites, right? Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Is there anybody else out there with a brown that we're overlooking? Somebody's going to get back with us and let us know on the text line. The text line can correct you. you And the text line will correct you. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. You know, but I'm just off the top of my head. Somebody else, maybe the Brown Browns or something. Is Brown there in the Ivy League? Are they Brown? I brown don't know. is Brown. Brown yes, is brown. brown is Brown. Okay, Brown is Brown. <laughs> and St. <laughs> Bonaventure is Brown and Wyoming is Brown. 
There you go. Gosh, yeah, you're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel at that point. Offhand, I can't really, I can't really think it. Well, Western Michigan, Western Michigan is brown. Although they may have, I don't know, maybe they've adapted. Yeah, their I guess, scheme. I guess they are. I think you're right. Bowling Green, but yes, Bowling thank Green you has very brown. much. Okay, yes, yep. I should. It's it's Mac territory. That's what we got to okay, dig Western into. Okay, Western Michigan and Bowling Green. I should have known because Bowling Green uh, came to Norman, of course. Uh, that was the Omar Jacobs team. And, uh, yes, the Falcons. Falcons. Do, 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 do. Okay. Yeah, Western Western Michigan primarily wears gold, it looks like. But there is definitely brown in that color scheme. Yeah. I see the experts out there. Not college, but the San Diego Padres are brown and yellow. Man, I love the old Padres, old school, Dave Winfield, Ozzie Smith before he was a Cardinal Uniform. That's what I'm saying. Like brown and yellow yeah. together, as long as you don't get too outlandish with it, is actually not a terrible color pairing. You can make that work. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of a dad joke about. I'm sure you are. Uh, it was a great one about brown. Hang on. Wyoming. Yes, we did say Wyoming. You're, you're right. You're right. Uh, so Matt Ryan just got traded. Yeah, we were talking about that. I guess it just became official. Matt Ryan got traded to the Colts. So Baker to Atlanta or, uh, what is right below the Bowling Green one? Yeah, that one right there. Yeah. Baker to Atlanta or Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. I, 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 I doubt it's Atlanta. Please don't be Atlanta. I think Atlanta's probably about to take a quarterback in the draft because they have the eighth overall pick. There's going to be a QB there, whether it's Malik Willis or. Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral. I yeah. think the Falcons will draft their next quarterback. To me, I think it's Seattle at this point for Baker. I think that's where he's headed. And I, I like I like that for him. I don't think it's an ideal situation because obviously the defense is atrocious and the offensive line has its issues as well. But you can do a lot worse than handing the ball to Chris Carson or Rashad Penny and throwing the ball to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. If yeah. you're in a prove-it situation for one year, which Baker Mayfield is, there are far worse situations to be in than Seattle. Be interesting to see him out there, no doubt. All right, so we played the Mo Gibson clip. What do you think right now, Mo Gibson, percentage-wise, the uh, chances are that he's coming back next year? You think it's a little coin flip? I would say it's south of 50%. I'll give it a 35% chance that Mo Gibson comes back. And again, that's not me giving definitive intel. I don't know that for a fact that he's leaning towards leaving. But when you go through senior day festivities, that's generally a pretty good indication you're ready to move on. Yeah, and then Porter did say that we don't know if he's going to be back or not. He could come back, and if he does, we'll just have another senior celebration for Mo Gibson. So they got that covered anyway. But I'm with you. I'm going to go 60-40 that he doesn't come back. By the way, how about Brady Manick, who got screwed on that flagrant two ejection uh, in the victory over Baylor as North Carolina beat, uh, beat Baylor? In the uh, second round game on Saturday, Brady Manick, what did he did he have twenty seven when he, he had twenty six and they were leading by twenty five when I mean, that happened. Yes, he, they had a twenty five point lead. Brady Manick has been playing unbelievable basketball. Hit the big shot at Cameron Indoor. You know they kind of sealed the deal and ruined Coach K's retirement party at Cameron Indoor. He's played really well. For imagine Carolina. imagine if the transfer portal weren't a thing. Imagine Oklahoma right now with Brady Manick. Alondis Williams, Cam McGusty, 
and Davion Harmon on that team. And throw in Kirk Weth, too. Yeah, Cam Augusty, man, they're still alive. Miami's still alive. Still playing. They'll play Iowa State in the next round. It's astonishing that Cam Augusty still has eligibility, but here we are. Yeah, crazy. Uh, That's a pretty cool deal, though, for Brady Manick. He gets to play for the team he wanted to play for growing up. Kid from Hera getting to play at OU. You remember he was having to guard fives a lot in his last year at Oklahoma where he was totally, uh, you know, in a mismatch situation so often. But then to get to go and go to Carolina, one of the uh, the, the great places to play college basketball, in uh, right in the middle of college hoops country there, along Tobacco Road with those programs with Carolina Duke, NC State, and Wake Forest, and the ACC. I know the ACC isn't what it used to be, but to be able to play for Carolina after playing for your, uh, your favorite state school at OU, that's a pretty cool deal. And to play as effectively as Brady Manick has played, super cool. Carolina fans love the guy. All right, we're going to break right here. Thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. We'll talk a little sooner spring football when we get back. Oklahoma will be on the field tomorrow. First day of spring practice. Looking forward to it. Biggest spring football session we've had around these parts in a long time. People are starved to see some football with this regime out there coaching them up. Spring game coming up April 23rd. And the Baker statue dedication also on the same day. It's going to be a huge day. All right, stay with us. We're coming right back. All right, welcome back. Spring football beginning tomorrow for the Sooners. Brent Venables meeting the uh, media. Some sound coming. Here in a little bit right here on the ref. Thanks again to our second-hour sponsor, the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. And... That incredible guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. Uh, this kid that Tennessee got at quarterback out of Long Beach Poly, <laughs> what do you think? My colleague Bud Elliott, who of course has beefed with Teddy Lehman in the past, um, but works within the 24-7 sports network as well, uh, he put it about as concisely as possible and as brilliantly as possible in a tweet he posted earlier this morning, he said, well, you can call, I guess you could say that was a collective effort. Hmm. Well, this kid is what, the number four quarterback in the uh, class of 2023? Yes, top right? 10 overall prospect regardless of position. How do you say his last name? Nico? Iyama Leava. Iyama Leava. Nico Iyama Leava. Hmm. A lot of syllables, a lot of vowels. I remember Nico with the Velvet Underground back in the day. That was a long time ago, though, there at the factory. Uh, so, anyway, Josh Heupel, pretty good get right there. What do you think of the job that Josh Heupel's done there so far? He's doing a good job because that, I mean, when he took the reins at that program, it was in dire straits. So, to see that things have reversed course. As quickly as they have is encouraging. That said, in the era of NIL, it's not really hard for a program to reverse course so drastically if you have enough money getting pumped in. Yeah. And there's plenty of money getting pumped in. 
All right, uh, so spring football beginning tomorrow. By the way, we're going to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here in a minute. If you uh, have any uh, questions or comments, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. All right, I'm going to give you uh, position groups. You give me level of concern in the spring from 1 to 10. 1 being no concern, 10 being full-on dumpster fire. Okay. Offensive line. I would say my concern is probably a three or four out of ten. It would have been a lot higher had they not brought in McCade Mattire. But I think having a plug-and-play replacement for Marquise Hayes at left guard alleviates a lot of those concerns, as does the addition of Jerry Schmidt. So I'm not going to say, boom, well, Schmidt's back, all of the offensive line's problems are solved. But I'm not terribly concerned with that unit. Defensive line. <laughs> Very low. Two, two out of ten. Obviously, when you have to replace the likes of a Nick Benito and Perion Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas all at the same time, you have your reservations. But I think Ethan Downs is going to be a superstar. Jonah Laulu has been earning some rave reviews. Obviously, you got Jeffrey Johnson in the fold as well. Jalen Redmond is going to maintain... Uh, his position on the defensive line is the lone returning starter. And then you got a bunch of guys in the mix that could contribute in some form or fashion. Reggie Grimes, I think, has a ton of potential. Marcus Stripling has played some really good ball at times. I am not at all worried about any particular positional group on the defense, probably the secondary more so than any, and we'll get to that. But defensive line, no, especially in Brent Venable's scheme, not a concern at all. Okay, so let's go to the secondary. One out of ten concern level, one being very little, ten being, again, dumpster fire level. I'll give it a five out of ten. The secondary is where you have the most questions, and that's why that's why I would put a bit of a higher number on the secondary as, as opposed to some of the other positional groups. Not necessarily that I think the secondary is going to have issues when the season rolls around, but you got to replace both your starting safeties. Woody Washington is a sta- he's, he's a stud at the outside corner position. But DJ Graham ended the season on a really dissonant note with his performance in the Alamo Bowl. The nickel situation is kind of unclear. By the way, I've heard Billy Bowman's going to get some looks on offense. Interesting. And they, they could they could maybe look at playing him both ways. Last, Andre Wolfolk situation. Yeah, last guy to play both ways in any capacity, uh, to my recollection, was Trajan Bridges in 2019 as a true freshman uh, when he got some run. Yeah, that's right. At uh, at safety, but as far as as far as the picture in the secondary, I think Key Lawrence is one of your starting safeties. I don't think there's any question about that. Woody Washington is locked into a starting role. The other three positions are very much up for grabs. I think Trey Morrison is going to be starting somewhere. My guess would be safety. I don't know that for a fact. Outside of those three, it's kind of unclear who steps up and takes the bull by the horns. So, if only because there's some questions regarding personnel and who goes where and who emerges, I'm a little bit more concerned about the secondary than other groups across this football team. All right. I'm thinking this might be a zero or a one. I don't know if you can go to zero, but linebacker. Yeah, if I'm allowed to go to zero, I'll go to zero. If not, definitely a one. 
we're talking about Brent Venables here. If there is one positional group that he will have ready to play their best ball by the time the season opens in September, it's the linebackers. And you have so much talent in that room, too, between Danny Stutzman and Deshaun White, David Aguebu, Shane Witter, the new guy, Jaron Kanak, the other new guy in Kobe McKenzie, T.D. Roof, Kip Lewis, Jake McCoy. I am, I am not at all concerned about this linebacker group. Not at all. Okay, uh, let's move on to uh, quarterback. Uh, I, I would say three out of ten. I'm not super concerned about Dylan Gabriel's transition from AAC play to the Big 12, but I do think there might be a bit of an adjustment period, and I don't know if we're making enough of that. Going up against AAC secondaries and going up against Big 12 secondaries, that's an entirely different ballgame. And the familiarity with Jeff Levy helps. I do think Dylan Gabriel's going to have a very productive season, but I'm not going to elevate him to Heisman contender territory just yet. I want to see how things go over the first month of the season and how quickly he takes to his new environment at OU. Gotcha. All right, running back. I... I would I would say likewise three out of ten, and again that has more to do with the fact that the personnel situation is a little bit unclear. I do think Javante Barnes is poised to get some carries immediately. Eric Gray and Marcus Major are your two veterans in the mix. I think Gray probably starts right off the bat uh, come September, and then I just I don't know what to think of Major at this point. It's going to be his fifth year. At the University He's of had Oklahoma. Moments. And he has had moments, but they've been so sporadic and so inconsistent. To me, when you're replacing a guy like Kennedy Brooks, you like you'd like to have a very clear answer. And I don't know that Oklahoma does. I think that answer could be Javante Barnes. I think that answer could be Eric Gray getting expanded opportunities out of the backfield. I just don't know how it's all going to shake out. Until yeah, I have a saw more... Chuck because he's coming in late, would be behind. Yeah, and he's just not physically ready quite yet, in my opinion. Okay, let's move on to uh, wide receivers, tight ends, H-backs. This one's low. I would say 2 out of 10. Marvin Mims is a phenom. Theo Weiss coming back helps immensely. Drake Stoops is going to be critical in third down situations when you got to move the chains. I'm really high on Caden Helms, and that's not just that's not just because we got the 402 connection there. Caden Helms is a guy that I have heard glowing things about through his first couple months on campus, and at 6'5", 235, with a sub 4'6", type of speed, that's a guy that could be poised to to steal some snaps from a guy like Braden Willis in the tight end room, particularly when Oklahoma goes 10 personnel, which they will with Jeff Levy. So between the returners in the mix and the newcomers that you get excited about, particularly for me, Caden Helms and Jaden Gibson, I think could work his way into some semblance of a role amongst the wide receivers. There's a lot to be excited about with regard to the pass catchers, and that's never really a group that you worry too much about at Oklahoma. All right, and finally, special teams. You've got the Turk coming back, Michael Turk, uh, but you've got to replace uh, Gabe Burkich, who was a tremendous kicker, but also had to deal with the curse of the burrito last year. Yeah, Zach Schmidt 
is going to be the Sooners' new kicker. From what I understand, uh, he is currently in position. He's the leader in the clubhouse to assume place-kicking duties. I would say my concern is probably a 4 or 5 out of 10 in that regard, just because you never know what you're going to get with kickers anyway. But particularly when you're breaking in a new one, you're maybe a little bit more concerned than you would be about having a guy like Gabe Burkich come back when he's your incumbent. Michael Turk, there, there's no question he's going to be one of the best punters in the nation in terms of net average and inside the 20, however you want to measure it. Turk's at the top of his game, at his position. So all of my concerns really revolve around Zach Schmidt, and from what I've seen of him, I don't think that's too much to get concerned about. But until we have an idea of how mentally ready he is to kick in big-time situations, I'll say I'm at a four or five. There you go. I'd rather have Jerry Schmidt, man. Does he have any eligibility? I bet that Jerry Schmidt could drop kick it from 60. Don't you think? Probably. There's anyone left that can drop kick. It's probably somebody like Jerry Schmidt. Who was the last guy? Wes Welker drop kicks when was it when he was in Miami? I think Wes or the Chargers. I'm the last to... the last player to successfully convert a drop kick was Doug Flutie in the final game of the 2005 season with well, the Patriots. Are you sure it wasn't Welker? Welker was before that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Flutie did come. So I don't now know. Michael Dixon, the Seahawks punter. He's taken to drop kicking on kickoffs at times and drop kicking for onside kicks mm-hmm. a time or two. But in terms of scoring, the last successful drop kick at the professional level, I don't know about college football. I think it's been longer than that. But the last successful drop kick, to my knowledge, was Doug Flutie for the Patriots in 2005. I'll trust you, but I'm still going to go ahead and Google it up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have one more segment to go. We'll go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Sooner women playing at 5 o'clock ESPN2 against Notre Dame in the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, the Sooner softball team, they only outscored their opposition 64-2 to over the weekend. This is a Sherman tank running over one of those little wimpy mini Coopers, the rest of women's college softball. Now, it'll get a little bit more difficult down the road. Kentucky game could be interesting tomorrow night in Lexington, but they are steamrolling people. Stay with us. We're coming right back. All right, Brent is still going on. And uh, it continues. Uh I'm sure that Tyler McComas is going to have some audio for you coming up here during the Locked In show coming up here in about seven or eight minutes. You want to go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, get those in before we get out of here? Let's go right ahead. Let's do it. Oh, wow. We have no new texts. Oh, really? <laughs> well, what happened? We have no new texts. Well, we got distracted and forgot to tout it. Yeah. Opposite sides of the color wheel is what somebody's saying on the uh, brown and yellow deal. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Really? What were we yeah. talking about last segment that we got so caught up in that we Oh, we were to... breaking down uh, the positions. Okay, Position yeah. groups and a level of concern. So, uh, so anyway, Matt Ryan going from the Atlanta Falcons to the Indianapolis Colts. So, if you thought Baker was going to Indy, you're out of luck. Seattle, New Orleans, Carolina. I think it's Seattle. I think it's going to be Seattle. Detroit? No. Do you think uh, that we're going to continue to see the uh, local affiliates carry the games wherever Baker goes? 
Because we saw Cleveland games no, all I, the time. I, Do you I, think that's over with? I don't think so. I don't think that will happen. I think the reason being is because no one cared about Cleveland Browns football at that point in time. So yeah. you didn't have to move mountains to get Browns coverage in the state of Oklahoma. The yeah. NFL is probably just like, oh, people want to watch the Browns? Yes, give it, give it to them. Yeah. It's going to be uh, fascinating to see where he lands, and it's going to, we're going to know pretty soon. I mean, uh, we'll know by what – what is the cutoff day in terms of where you think Baker will know where Baker's playing? Do you think it'll be – surely it wouldn't last around the draft. This is going to get done, won't it, in the next – this week sometime? I would think it's done this week. You want to get him no, in your building well, and get going. Yeah, and there's no reason to drag your feet anymore. You've got your next quarterback in Deshaun Watson. You're not going to be haggling about the price of a backup quarterback. And you're yeah. not going to get a significant haul anyway. Man, that that goes to show you again that it's amazing. Uh, the Browns and the NFL, they're overlooking the fact that Deshaun Watson is at least very creepy. And they have made it, given him the biggest deal in the history of the NFL. By the way, uh, on the topic of the New Orleans Saints, which we had mentioned as a potential suitor for Baker Mayfield, they are re-signing Jameis Winston to a two-year deal, $20 there we million. Go. Seattle. So there you go. New Orleans is off the table. That makes me think all the more. It's Seattle. Wow. Baker's going to be wearing those lime green uniforms, perhaps, you know, when they, they break those out every now and then. That's going to be. That's about as far from brown and orange on the color wheel as you can get. It is, no doubt. All right, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, what are you going to do out there? You need to get indoors because it's raining right now and it's coming down hard. But you know what? You can find solace. You can find shelter at Riverwind Casino and you can find a lot of cash and bonus play. And. Not only can you win cash and bonus play, you can uh, take home a brand-new Cadillac XT5. I'm talking about the $80,000 courtside cash promotion happening. Final drawing for that is coming up on Friday. Get out and play with your wild card today and tomorrow until midnight. Get five times the entries for that great promotional drawing. Again, the final drawing for that promotion, Friday evening, 6 to 11.30 p.m., and they call out 33 patrons' names and then two grand prize winners just before midnight. And the final drawing for the 80K Land Into Luxury promotion is happening Saturday night. Make sure you're there, 7 o'clock to 10.30, and then they have – not only cash and bonus play to give away $10,000 worth, but the winner, the ultimate grand prize winner, is going to get the brand-new 2022 Cadillac XT5. They just announced the Beats and Bites lineup, summer concert series, Night Ranger and Starship will lead it off May 28th. We've got big-time shows and a fireworks display coming for Beats and Bites 2022, brought to you by Riverwind and Coupe Ale Works. It's a great time outdoors. Get your tickets now at Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, so uh, the Sooner women uh, tipping it off here in uh, just a tiny bit over three hours, 5 o'clock, ESPN2, Jenny Baranchek and the OU women taking on Notre Dame at 5 o'clock. How far do you think they go in this tournament, Mike? Sweet 16, Elite 8? One more round. This They win this okay. one, that, that'll do it. What was your favorite, uh, as we have about a little over, about a minute, what's been your favorite tournament moment so far? All about the St. Peter's story? Yes, 1,000%. St. Peter's. They're the Hickory Huskers, Mike. They are so overmatched. They are so overmatched from a physical standpoint. 
but they just play together. They play clean, fundamental basketball. They are resilient, and they never quit. I can't disagree with that. I have to go with Houston also, Kelvin Sampson and company. The Illini Falls, Houston's got a shot to take down Arizona. Wildcats and the Cougars Thursday night in San Antonio. All right, locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas. Coming up next here on The Rev, have a marvelous Monday. We'll see you.